Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to The Things We Do For Love. I'm Izzy Sutty. I am joined tonight by, well, tonight, don't know what time it is where you are. I mean, I'm saying tonight because we recorded it in the evening. It might be the morning, in which case, good morning. Hope you enjoy your coffee. Do put milk in coffee. I don't understand how people have it without milk. Um, I am joined, but you can do what you want, really. Um, I'm joined by the brilliant Tom Parry. Just don't drink Horlicks for breakfast. That's really weird. Um, we recorded this episode on the same night as Margaret Cable Smith's interview, which was our last release, and it was a really, really enjoyable double bill to do. We had a lot of fun and they listened to each other from the side and it was just lovely. It felt like a night out. As I said last time, we were unaware that a global pandemic was about to knock us all sideways. It was the calm before the storm. And a lot has happened since then. Um, Tom and his wife, Jane, have had a baby, which is fantastic. And they've moved out of London, which isn't fantastic. But um, that's what a lot of people have done. And I don't blame them. I do understand. And I shall go and visit them whether they like it or not. Tom is a brilliant comedian, sketch actor, writer and director these days. Um, I've known him for a really long time. He's such a laugh. And when you see him, you just get filled with joy because you know you're going to have a really good time. That's the best way to describe him. And that's the way I felt about this record as well, which contains so many details about his love life, including how he proposed to his wife, Jane. So please sit back and enjoy the things we do for love with Tom Parry. things we do for love the things we do for love this week i'm joined by tom parry <laughs> he is a sagittarius and a wolverhampton wanderers fan and a, a happy go lucky guy <laughs> the things we do for love welcome Welcome. I was waiting for you to say broadcaster. Oh, sorry. Uh, but I'm so pleased you said all those things. Um, Gosh, what's, what's, what, what's you keep in your guitar? <laughs> Is that like your purse? <laughs> it's, yeah, I've just got massive money made out of cardboard. Um, it's all toys that Betty's posted through the... Great. Yeah. Great. The thing is, I've written a song about it called Now My Guitar Is Full Of Shit (laughs) that my daughter put in it. But I've only ever performed the song once and um, the guitar had to have some work done on it and the guy was like, oh, you had loads of toys in there and stuff. I've taken them all out for you and I was like, can you put them all back in? (laughs) And he was like, okay. (laughs) That was insane. Is the rattling part of the song? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I jump up and down and it rattles and stuff. But actually, I've realised that I should just hold it in front of a mic and shake it. Yeah. So, you know, I've really learnt something tonight. Um, welcome to The Things We Do For Love, the podcast about the things we do for love. It might be the time you tried to impress a boy by jumping off a bridge for a pound into running water, which resulted in you breaking your ankle and not sitting your maths sat. 
<laughs> it might be the time you recorded a song you'd written about a boy, then put it in his school bag, and he not only showed his friends, but gave it to his headmaster, who played it to the whole school in assembly. I have done both of those things. <laughs> Hello, I was waiting for you to say broadcaster, because we've decided that we're going to call... Everyone Sorry, broadcaster, I, but you've said Sagittarius really and Wolverhampton fans, so we've, it's actually more interesting, isn't it? Yeah, you really, I didn't, you backed me into a corner. I realised I was defining myself. I was like, oh God, what That's else am interesting. I? interesting. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, what did you say? A good all round guy. A happy go lucky guy. Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm a good all round guy. <laughs> people who say they're good guys are very rarely good guys. Do you not totally think that? You know, people are like, oh, I'm just a good guy. It's like, yes, no, just no, you're little not. old me. Yeah, no yeah. good guy says they're good guys. Yeah, that is so true. Yeah. Like, if you say, like, I'm not going to murder you. <laughs> just like, ah. I was taking that as a given. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like the same. I'm a good guy. I'm just a good guy. Yeah. What about when people say, I'm a bad guy? Do you think that's Just good? as bad. Yeah. You kind of want people who aren't, don't really self-define to you. <laughs> they just yeah. kind of let you work it out. Have you ever had someone say, I'm a bad guy to you? Like, I'm just a bad guy. Well, in that way of like, it'll be rock and roll with me, yeah. baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't wear a seatbelt. <laughs> I'm a bad guy. No, I don't think I have. Is it the same if girls say it? I'm a bad girl. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> also, when you say it, it's even weirder. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be brilliant if you, someone went on a first date with you and you're like, I'm a bad girl. <laughs> oh, God, what have you done? <laughs> What's happened? <laughs> I'm a good girl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all, why is it sexual when a girl I, says it? I mean, bad guy is quite sexy, right? Isn't it? I guess it could be, but it also could be, I don't wear a seatbelt. I haven't washed my hands. <laughs> I'm a bad yeah. guy. <laughs> I'm awful. I wash my hands after a poo, but not a wee. Yeah. Don't eat that. Yeah. <laughs> what about I'm a good person? Yeah, I think that's the altruistic thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I'm just a good person. Yeah, I'm just a bad person. We were talking about this in Margaret's podcast, like when guys are like, I'm a bit of a bad person, like I don't do relationships. We found that really annoying. But I think the good person thing's even more... Like, here's my problem, is when... I think this is a problem for guys. When someone gets on the London Underground who clearly or maybe needs a seat, there's always like the real wannabe good guys who are like straight up, like, do you want my seat? And they say it really loudly for like everyone to hear. And I always think all you want to do is be seen to be giving up your seat. Yeah. The real good guys just wait a little bit and do it very quietly. But I'm so busy thinking all these things that I don't give anyone my seat because <laughs> I don't want to be seen to be being the good guy, good guy. And by that point, it's too late. But in my head, I'm thinking, that kind of makes me the good guy. <laughs> the fact that I haven't offered your seat yeah. is because I respect you as a person. And they've still got a seat because the good guy, good guy gets The good the guy, seat. good guy. But all he wants to do is be seen being yeah. a good guy. Yeah. The real good guys, and they the just stay sat, guys. Yeah. watching it all. <laughs> Thinking. Letting a, a seven-month pregnant woman hold yeah, on to this. Yeah, I'm just there watching. I'm a good guy because I'm not going to give you my seat. <laughs> it's funny in dating. Have you ever done internet dating? No, I completely missed internet dating. I'm really glad. Yeah, I sort of did. I didn't miss it because I always had a boyfriend or anything during that time. I just didn't feel like a lot of my mates did it and I sort of didn't yeah. get into it. But I feel like a lot of the things... Is this true if anyone's done internet dating? Do you ha put things like, I'm a Sagittarius, I'm a good guy? I'm a Wolves fan. I'm a happy-go-lucky guy. <laughs> I'm I just a happy-go-lucky guy who likes skiing. <laughs> I unwittingly revealed my Tinder profile to you. That's what, that's what it would have been. Um, In Tinder, do you have to put something? Or is it just your photo? So you can, or you... And, and is it a lot of text, or is it just like... Here's the mic. Here's the mic, mate, whether you like it or not. Yes, yes. Oh. I think there's a character limit, but I'm not sure. Okay. What did you have? God. Um, no, not God, no. God. Just the word God. 
in capital. I mean, I like it. I'm swiping right. You've got my attention. Um, I can't remember what I put, wasn't it? It's yeah. so hard to know what to put with yeah. those things, isn't it? What would you put? I think I'd try and do like a, like a word like Leo, which is my star sign. Oh, like not your false name. <laughs> Like Leo Kalua Sunshine. Oh. <laughs> Awful. I don't even really like sunshine. Burn really easily. Do you even like Kalua? I love Kalua. Oh, okay, yeah. there you go. Leo Kalua Moonlight. <laughs> Leo Kalua Shade. <laughs> yes, Shade. Leo Kalua Suntan Lotion. Really <laughs> mole checks. <laughs> Back to 50. Back to 50. Maybe that would be my... Do you have, like, a code name? That's not what it's called, is it? <laughs> it could be. <laughs> do you have to think of a name for yourself? Because in internet dating, I seem to remember you did have to sort of have at least a sort of tagline. Back to 50. Back to 50. That's your sexy name. Sounds like a rapper. It's kind of cool, actually. Yeah. Extra safe. Yeah. Back to 50. <laughs> <laughs> my, mum did, um, my mum did set up an internet dating profile for me once. I know it was um, I went home my mum is such a problem solver and she's always like well we'll just do this and everything will be fine and then I'd broken up with someone and I was in my early 30s and she was like no 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 you're not meeting the right guys Um, and she set up this internet dating profile we sort of did it together but she paid 50 quid for me to do it so then she sort of had control I love that intake of breath what was the platform? Is it more than that now? What was that intuitive breath for? Pardon? What was the platform? What was it? It certainly wasn't Guardian's soulmates, only because she doesn't read The Guardian, and she had to approve of the... I think it was one of those neutral ones. Was there one called something like Soulmates, but not part of a paper? It was something like that anyway, right. like okay. a sort of generic... Generic one. Soulmates. <laughs> dot com. <laughs> On the fence, Genericsoulmates.com. <laughs> <laughs> that appealed to quite a lot of people, I think. You just want to go for... I just want to find someone. Will become a Tory in their 50s, yes. soulmates. <laughs> um, so we went through it and she was like trying to write my blurb for me. And then she put my religion as Christian. Ooh. And I was like, I'm not a Christian. Like, I'm an agnostic. And then she was like, what does that even mean? Choose atheist or Christian. And then we had this sort of big argument about it. Were you raised a Christian? Yes. I went to Sunday school and she is a church organist and a bell ringer. So, yeah. Me too. Did, Were you? Yeah. Did it complicate... Like, when I think about early love, crushes and things like that, most of it was a Sunday school, which is kind of a really confusing place for it to happen because... Obviously, you're being preached a lot of kind of like abstinence and like loving the Lord. But at the same time, everyone's really horny together, you know? (laughs) Kind of like rubbing against each other. And it's like a really weird... It makes it even more like... Juxtaposition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's hard. What did you used to like... Because I only remember like colouring in pictures of Jesus and stuff at Sunday school, which can't have happened when we were like 10 or 11. So I can probably only remember it from when I was a bit younger. But I can remember, I mean, from a teenage point of view, I can remember being on the back row of the evening service. That was where like the cool kids were at. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I must have been about 14, 15. I remember using a key and carving, praise God for Jarvis, because of Jarvis Cocker from Pulp in the back row of the pew. To impress Hannah Pingree. Like, but that was too far for her. She was committed to the church. And I, I think I'd strayed too far into, I'm a bad guy. <laughs> you are a bad guy. Yeah. But it was like, praise God for Jarvis. It was when Jarvis Cocker wafted, you know, like when he broke on stage for the Michael Jackson thing. Oh, yeah. He so it's kind of like, he's kind of like opposing Michael Jackson. And I was like, this is cool. Do you think that's still there in the church? I would love to go and have a look. You should do a telly show where you go back to see if it's still there. <laughs> I, I thought you... What a really shit TV show. <laughs> it's going to be like five minutes long. Nope, <laughs> nope, it's gone. <laughs> well, see you next week. <laughs> Maybe you could pretend not to remember which church it was in, but you could do different episodes. <laughs> where you went to different churches Obviously, in Wolverhampton. different churches. Yeah. Who's watching this? <laughs> All these guys would watch it. Yeah. yeah, she'd watch it. You'd have an audience of 30. That's fine. Church these days, hunt. there's so many bloody channels. That's all you need. Church Hunt with Tom Parry. 
Hi guys, it's me, Tom Parry, Sagittarius, Wolves fan, and happy-go-lucky guy. This week, I'm at St John's in Tetnall <laughs> to see if this is the place that I once carved into a pew. Um, I thought you were going to say, praise God for Java, like coffee. Coffee? Yeah. I bet you someone's got that on their dating profile. Praise God for Java. Yeah. Coffee wasn't really around in that way. No, it when wasn't. When we were teenagers, was no it? No one drank coffee. Did it anyone was like drink? Mess- like, so can anyone remember the first time they drank proper coffee? Because it's like a revelation, isn't it? People yeah. just had Nescafe and it, it wasn't a but thing. But it was once, I think it was once we started watching Friends. And yeah. then I remember the first Costa ever opening in Wolverhampton and we were like, this is it, now we're friends. And we'd go and sit on the couch and order a Costa and think, we're living the life. And that must have been like 98. Tragic. I know, I remember, I was at college in Guildford in 98 and a Café Rouge opened and we used to go every day for coffee. We used to smoke then, smoke inside. And I had a mate from Slovenia and she used to be like, well, this is what he's like in Slovenia. <laughs> it's same as Café Rouge. Yeah. But in a Slovenian accent. Um, <laughs> what did I used to do in Sunday school? There was a guy I really found. I know exactly what you mean because when I think of my first crushes, there was an altar boy who I really fancied. There is a definite thing of like, there's a process to follow in church and you're not supposed to feel like that and it does make it more. Yeah. But we kissed once. We both had fixed braces. I had... I had so many braces when I was a kid. I had two types of normal braces, which was a fixed one and then one that you put on. And then I had two types of head brace as well. God. So I had a metal frame that went around my whole head and then hooks that came forward to bring my two front teeth together. You had to wait for 12 hours a day and I once went out with it on and this woman like scuttled away and like hid her child from me. (laughs) I was like, Mum, I've forgotten I've got my head brace on. It was awful. And another one that went around the back of my neck a long sort of strip of material which again yeah so I wasn't really a very fortunate child in that sense I was not that confident but he had a brace too so we were sort of kindred spirits although we didn't have a head brace and um, we kissed once and our braces got locked together for oh. yeah for about five seconds then we sort of yeah that's all I remember about Sunday school um, you've just got married yes I was at your wedding yeah did you always know you were going to wear a, a wedding ring? Is that um, something that you dreamt about when you were 10? Oh, I'll get to wear a wedding ring. Talk about dreams. I had a big panic last week. I had a dream that I got remarried in Canterbury Cathedral. <laughs> and the vicar wanted my ring back. And I dreamt it was about to start and I couldn't get the ring off and there was a big panic. And you know when you break your dream the next day? I was driving to work and I was thinking about the dream and I thought, God, that was a funny dream. And I went to touch my wedding ring and my wedding ring had gone. And in the night when I was having the dream, I'd removed my wedding ring. My wife found it under the bed. So weird. God, that is Um, so... That must have been horrible. Yeah, yeah. It was a real moment of panic. Um, I love wearing the wedding ring, but I don't know if it's just because it's still early days of like... (laughs) You know, I, got, I, like, I tap it all the time and you can see people get annoyed on the underground and stuff. So you like, t- yeah. what, as you're sitting there in the pregnant women file on... Yeah. Sorry, ladies. Sagittarius. The rings really... Here's something about the rings. My wife doesn't wear rings and it's such an odd... Like, you think, right, I'm going to ask Jane to marry me. But you don't want to tell anyone else because you don't want the secret to be out. You want it to be just between the two of you. So... I was in Glasgow doing some gigs and I had to go to a jewellery shop and for the first time say out loud, I'm looking for an engagement ring. And it's like, that's the first time it becomes real that you're going to do it. And I was so nervous. I was really sweaty, kind of like, I looked like I was going to rob the place kind of thing. Like they, they were nervous, I was nervous. Um, and they said, what's the size? And it was like, that's the first time it occurred to me that you're going to need to know her finger size. So Jane doesn't wear rings. And all the advice online is, like, find an old ring and do that. Or ask her friend to do it. But I knew that, like, as soon as that started happening, she'd get suspicious. So I got a piece of string. And we were asleep. And I got... (laughs) I got this piece of string. And my idea was to tie it around her finger. And it's kind of... (laughs) I don't know why it feels so dodgy. I, I to, feel like anything that starts me, I got a piece of string and waited until she was asleep. And, like, and, and she woke up and I was like kind of looming at her with this piece of string. 
She was like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I've just found this in the bed. And she was like, oh. And like, forgot about it. So like a week went by and I was really fretting about like how to do it. And then I was doing a bit of DIY in the house and in my toolbox, this is even worse, I found a cable tie, right? <laughs> and cable ties obviously naturally form a circle. Sure. So I thought, here we go. So I kind of put this cable tie next to the sofa and we were watching a film and I kind of went, oh God, I left this cable tie? And she was like, all right. <laughs> and then I kind of put it through and was like, ooh, just like messing around with this cable tie. And she was like being like, you're being really weird. And I was kind of going, hey, girls, I'm going to get you. And she was like, what are you doing? Like, like, in a really like, she was annoyed, quite rightly so. And then like, I just kind of went, grah, like that, and put it on her finger and pulled it tight. And she went, what are you doing? And I went, oh, I'm sorry, I was just messing around and like pulled it off. And that's what I used to get the ring. <laughs> I went into this jewelry store with like this cable tie. They were like, what's your wife's thinking? I was like, that's the size of my wife's finger on this cable tie. They found it really weird. Did they like, did they say, how did you get it into the... I said I was just goofing around. I love that Yeah. So I've still got it. I've still got the cable tie at home. Oh. It's like a souvenir. And it was only like once we got engaged. I said, do you remember about two months ago, the cable tie thing? And she was like, fucking hell. I thought you were so weird. <laughs> like, felt so weird. I love the idea that the way someone has to find out their girlfriend's ring size is so weird that the girl breaks up with them. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. It's like a kind of fable. Yeah. <laughs> It makes a really good yeah. rom-com of like try, in order to try and That's find... That's another TV series, isn't it? <laughs> How to find out your girlfriend. Tom Parry yeah. guesses your finger size. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that series too, isn't it? You've established that the, the, the writing's gone and then it's the next bit. But I don't know how else... Has anyone, has anyone else had that as a problem? Is anyone married? Give us a cheer if you're married. One, two, three... Okay. <laughs> it's not so a bit more enthusiasm, guys. Yay. Yeah. Did anyone have this problem? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had to do the string in the night thing as Did well. You? <laughs> Did you manage to make it work? No, no. It's impossible. <laughs> so what happened? Was it the same scenario? Did she wake up? No, she didn't wake up, actually, but um, I, I just marked a, a line on this string and um, <laughs> I got it completely wrong. So. Yeah. Um, well, I guess the problem is you have to have two marks, don't you? You can't grip it so that the end of the string is against the mark. So it's tough. I, I was gripping it with both hands and Keep trying, to use, trying, <laughs> trying to use the pen as well. That sounds really dodgy. <laughs> yeah, you're gripping it with both hands. Yeah, keep going. That you're gripping correct. it with both hands. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just ended up buying a generic ring and she had to have it resized twice in the end. I think we found a niche in the market here. Do you think if you went on Dragon's Den with a device for people who were trying to get... Do you think people would buy yes, it? Yes, I genuinely do. That's all it takes, is it one niche. It would have to be an adjustable... It would have to be really light pressure, wouldn't it, so they wouldn't wake up? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, uh, uh, well... Felt God, it sounds so... But I know. that's true. Yeah, I, I was thinking all kinds of mad things. I was, like, thinking about trying to get her to put her hands into, like, some... Putty. I was like, yeah. could, could I get her to play around with some Play-Doh or something and be like, oi, oh. <laughs> All my ideas came with the same noise of like, oi. <laughs> it's just like so, but it was so stressful. Yeah, of course, because what you ideally want, and I'm sure you probably wanted this too, is to give them the ring and it fits perfectly and they adore it. Yeah. And then you don't want there to be a technicality no. at that moment, do you? And it feels like you're planning a heist. It's quite exciting. Like, for me, it was felt like a bit like Ocean's Eleven. Because it's like, you've got a secret, but it's a good secret. And you're kind of creeping around, but for good reasons. And, like, I can still remember when the box... I, I did it in the end, like, it got delivered. And it arrived... And it felt like there was a bomb in the house. And it was like, I, I, I've got to find somewhere perfect to hide this. And the whole time, you know it's in the flat. And she doesn't know. Like, it was really exciting. It's like skullduggery. Of course, yeah. Where did you um, hide it? Uh, just on the top of a shelf. <laughs> it's less exciting than Ocean's Eleven. But I'm, I'm just, I'm taller than she is. I was there when you proposed to your fiancé. 
Yeah, it's quite funny to hear you call him a fiance. Yeah, he's a fiance. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's a, a broadcaster and a fiance. Broadcaster and a fiance. <laughs> but, he's a broadcasting fiance. Uh, have, you, have you told this story on your podcast? Because it was a really yeah, funny moment. Yeah, I think moment. I have a long time ago. Basically, I proposed to Ellis at my book launch. And we'd all gone to the pub afterwards. Yeah, tell it from your point of well, view. Well, I was going to say, you were, you were quite drunk. No, right? I want you to. That sounded really sarcastic. Oh, no, 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 sorry, I yeah, know. Yeah, tell it from your point of view. No, I want you to carry on, but like... <laughs> I don't, from, I, want, I actually want to hear what from it From my point of view, we'd all had quite a few drinks, and then you started coming round the side of the pub, and Alice was, had ordered food. And you started coming round going, shall I ask Alice to marry me? And we were all like, what? <laughs> like, you just launched your book, and you're like, I think I'm going to do that, I think I'm going to do it. And everyone was kind of going, are you? <laughs> That's how I remember. Yeah, that is. And um, John Robbins, who is Ellis's broadcasting partner, was sort of the instigator in a weird way. Like he, he is a bad boy. I think. Yeah. He sort That's very of true. is. He's quite. Yeah. If there's kind of mischief afoot, he's, he's a really puck. behind it. Yeah, he's puck. He's a puck. Yeah, yeah. he's a puck. Um, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> I'm just one of the mechanics. <laughs> um, so I basically... I'm just Snuff the tailor. <laughs> Maybe people that's must a, have Shakespearean reference. references on their that's dating profile. reference. You know what? I think putting a reference to Midsummer Night's Dream or a Shakespeare play on your dating profile is a really good way of making sure you find like-minded people. Arseholes. <laughs> like-minded arseholes. Pretentious arseholes. <laughs> so I said to Robbins... I don't know why. I just had some tequila. Shall I propose to Alice? There must have been something that prompted me. Well, you love him. I do love him, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's the thing, I guess. Yeah. But I guess, why did I do it then? I think the reason I did it then is because a lot of our friends were in the pub and I thought it would be hard for him to say no. Yeah. But I I went round... I didn't remember that bit whispering. I remember saying to John, shall I do it? And he said yes. I mean, it's not the way that proposals normally work, is it? That the person goes round whispering to everyone, shall I do it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I think the publisher... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, OK. Yeah. So Margaret's just asked if the publisher told me to do it. The publisher didn't tell me to do it. And the that makes it sound a lot more like a PR opportunity now. <laughs> it seems a lot more cynical if your publisher did it. And was like, this will make a great story. OK, this is the truth. This is the truth, guys. I'm a good girl. <laughs> um, the publisher said what are you going to write your next book about? Because the first book was about dating and stuff. And I hadn't mentioned Ellis in the first book, only because I was sort of saving him for the second one, but now I've written a novel, so... (laughs) I don't think it's as interesting to write about being happy as it is to write about being single and kind of going, whoa! (laughs) It's the same noise. Trying to get someone's finger measurement. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa! My finger's gone into some string! (laughs) It's come out again. So I didn't mention him in the first book. The publisher said, what are you going to write the second book about? And I was like, I don't know. And I said, I need to do something for the second book. She was like, why don't you propose to Ellis? And I said, but... (laughs) 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 But the truth is, we had always known that we'd get married. We'd had a kid... We'd always said it was going to happen. But I just... um, Ellis is a sort of very passive person. Like, he's a very passive broadcaster. He he just likes... The reviews are in. Yeah. (laughs) He likes really a simple life. He's a very kind person who doesn't necessarily want a lot of drama in his life, isn't he? Yeah, and what's nice about you two, I think, is psychologically, he's already married to you. Like, I think that's the way he is, is like, you're set, and it's a done deal. Thanks, There's Tom. no need to make it official. I think <laughs> that's that, genuinely. Yeah, yeah, and that's how I think yeah. everyone felt when you two got together. It was like, it's done. And it's like, do you need to go through the formalities? Well, Yes, yeah. if it can sell books. <laughs> <laughs> if it can sell books. Our mortgage advisor said we probably should. Um, <laughs> but the other thing this is, is that book. my dad... He'd asked my dad, my dad passed away in 2011. When my dad was ill, Ellis asked him if he could marry me, and it was such a lovely moment. And we all knew it was probably the last time that Ellis was going to see dad. And um, all the nurses started crying and stuff. And wow. then we went back onto the ward, and everyone was like, Where's the ring? And then Ellis was like, Oh, there isn't a ring. <laughs> Just like, God, he was like, Oh, there isn't a ring, there isn't a ring. And then he started to look really worried. And, um, oh, and then, so then it became this sort of family joke where we, they were like, Ellis got all the credit for sort of, you know, doing this thing. And then he never produced the ring. He's never paid for a ring. So when I asked him, so we sort of already knew because he, in a way, he had asked me, I guess, because he'd talked to dad about it. But when I asked him, 
I was really worried that he was going to expect me to pay for the ring because I'd asked him. So I said, will you marry me? And I really quickly said, you've got to pay for the ring. Yeah. And, and he had ordered food and his food had just arrived and he'd just taken a fork full of quite chewy steak. That's how I remember it. That's right. That's how long ago it was. People ate steak. Yeah. And he was chewing on his steak and Izzy quite publicly went, will you marry me? You've got to pay for the ring. And he was like... There's a photo of him with... I, you see, I remember it as him having a fork full of food an inch from his mouth and having to decide whether to answer or eat the fork full of food first. But yeah. there's definitely a photo of him with, like, food in his cheek, kind of... Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, well, you'll be at my wedding, so will you, and so will you. And the so whole will all audience. of you! <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When I got engaged, I didn't, like, I had the ring on me. We'd met for the first time as friends at Glastonbury when the Rolling Stones were on. And so the Rolling Stones were coming on in East London. And it was round about Jane's birthday. So I kind of thought, well, that's quite nice. So I booked tickets to go to the Rolling Stones. And I thought, this might be it. But I wasn't sure. You just kind of think... Oh, so I took the rings. I had, I'd had the ring for like about a month and a half. Oh, did you? So you didn't know when you were going to do it? No. But like, I was just trying to work it out. And then the Rolling Stones tickets came through. And I was like, maybe this is it. And then I found out on the day that you couldn't take bags in. They had a bagless policy. So I've got this horrible like bum bag. That's like It's called a body wallet. So it's like, it's not quite a bum bag. It's like flat against your stomach. It's like this bit of plastic. And so I put the ring in there without its box. And we had to go through security. And Jane was with me. And so like, I had to go first and essentially like smuggle the ring in. They patted me down. So was it under your top? Yeah, my body wallet was inside my shirt. And they didn't find it. And then... My plan was going to be, because I always put Jane on my shoulders when we were at gigs. So my plan was to get her on my shoulders. And then I had, I'd written a little note that said, you know, I don't know, I want to put you on my shoulders for the rest of my life kind of thing. And I was going to hand her the note and then pass the ring up. And we got in. And very early on, Liam Gallagher was sporting and Jane was like, I want to go on your shoulders for Liam. So I put her on my shoulders and a security guard immediately came over and was like, no shoulders. No one on shoulders is allowed. So I was like oh, shit, that's my plan. Oh, so I was like, I was, I was trying to rethink it. And I just kind of thought, oh, it's not going to happen tonight. I'll just let it go. So we got right near the front and we had about four ciders each. And I was just kind of enjoying the gig and Jane was enjoying the gig. And then Jane needed the toilet. So I was like, we in the pint glass. So like, I gave her my hoodie and she weed in the pint glass and we poured it on the floor. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> you so brilliant that. how he just says that. As, so that's what we did. Yeah, that's, that's completely normal. Do not do that. That's, that's a... So is that what you do at gigs because you were in the yeah. crowd and like, it is hard it, going it, to the toilet, it isn't it, when you're near the front of the gigs? Yeah, if you're right near the front. So you gave her a hoodie, but hang on a minute. Yeah. Your hoodie only hides either her bum or her vagina. Well, no, but she's got her skirt on. Okay. So she puts the hoodie across her front, 
I'm stood behind her, covering her back, and then she puts the pint glass between her legs and does a wee, and then pours it into the ground, and no-one notices. So it was outside, was it? <laughs> yeah, it was at the uh, Olympic Stadium. So have you done it in an indoor venue? So, no. No, we're not savages. <laughs> <laughs> We're good guys. Um, <laughs> I have to. I mean, I was casting. What? Well, I was casting complete aspersion on that. Like, God, who? Like, that's so gross. I've done fucking. We. Does anyone remember the Churnton challenge? Churnton was a kind of cheese. I was probably about fifteen. So it was. Um, no one done the Churnton challenge. Come on, guys. <laughs> Ninety-one. This is another TV show. The Churnton challenge with Izzy Sutty. Ninety-three. Nineteen ninety-three. There was a new cheese called Churnton cheese. I don't know if anyone remembers. Do you remember Margaret? No. <laughs> no one does. So, okay, okay. Well, maybe it was in Matlock, but it did exist. Um, and there was a, there was a, an advert on telly, and this woman who was like really kind of glamorous was like, "I'm going to take the Churnton challenge," and she got blindfolded and then we will come back to your story this no, no, is just a story fine, about piss um, <laughs> and she was given Churnton cheese and generic cheese and even with the blindfold on she identified which one was Churnton because it was so delicious was right? this the advert? that was the advert it'd be weird if she'd, she'd have got it wrong in the advert <laughs> <laughs> that one's really nice actually well it's not Churnton yeah that's real life guys not advertising um, and then we... she pissed in a cup <laughs> just a weird advert <laughs> So we did this thing. We all were in a house having a party and we made a thing called the piss challenge where Ollie from our year pissed into a pint glass. Yes. And then someone filled another pint glass with warm water and like honey. I know. So Hannah, my mate, one of my best mates still, had to pick a pint glass and then drink drink it. it. Yeah. And she picked the piss. No! But she did, she like, it like touched her lips and she was like, eh. Amazing. I said that as if she was mad for... She was like, Ugh. I was like, I would have drunk it. Um, I've also... Oh, God, yeah, I've pissed into... Um, I remember backstage at Edinburgh once during the book club, which was an old gig that probably still runs, actually, that Robin Ince used to run, and there were loads and loads of us on. And um, I needed a wee, and Danielle Ward was backstage with me. I needed a wee really badly, and we couldn't leave the venue. So she said, you piss into this glass. But it was a half pint glass. And I just no, immediately filled enough. it with piss and just then pissed on someone's scenery. It was just... <laughs> but that was Edinburgh in 2004. What you gonna do? <laughs> so I think that's fucking yeah. great that she wheezed into the thing. We did a piss challenge at Bestival where we were camping in a circle and everyone had to piss in a bottle during the night because no one wanted to go to the toilet. And you'd leave the bottle outside your tent and in the morning, whoever had pissed the most won. <laughs> <laughs> really fun. That was that big challenge. It was great. And it's a really nice ending rather than has to drink it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, That's the grown up version. So, yeah, so, so Jane read this pint glass and we poured it on the floor. It was like plastic covered, the pitch was plastic covered. And then I needed to go, so I'd weed on the floor. And a woman buys Hang the Hang on, fainted. did you just wee onto the floor? No, did I did you... the same thing. Yeah, I did like, yeah. I weed into Oh, it's fine to yeah. wee into a glass first. Yeah. The classic hoodie yeah. technique. Honestly, try it. It's, it's, it's really discreet. <laughs> Is anyone going to try this? It's really discreet. Yeah. You just kind of shuffle a hoodie around. You, you, you know what to do. So anyway, we both weed. And this woman near us fainted. Unrelated. <laughs> she, she hadn't seen us wee. <laughs> But it was like, what I mean is like, it hadn't gone the romantic route. You know, like it had turned into just like a fun gig. So I kind of thought, forget about it. It's not going to happen tonight. Just enjoy the night. So then I properly relaxed. And we were really into it. And then like with about three songs to go, they started playing brown sh- I'll tell you what else I realised. There are no romantic Rolling Stone songs. Like, there's no like love song that comes on at a Rolling Stones gig where you think, this is the one. Like they just don't have them. And, well, go on. Wild Horses. So, and they didn't play Wild Horses. So, <laughs> we were about three songs away from the end and Brown Sugar was playing. And we were just having a real fun. And Jane was like, look, if I can't go on your shoulders, just lift me up. So I picked her up and she put her legs around my chest. And I kind of was holding her here like that. And like Brown Sugar was going, we're having a really nice time. And just as it was finishing, she grabbed me and kind of leaned in and went... I just know we're meant to be together. I know we're meant to be together. And I was just like, this is it? This is it? Kind of thing. So I put her down and she was like, what's going on? And I went down on one knee and grabbed this body wallet from nowhere. I like fished out this bum bag and my hand was just like shaking, pulled this ring out. And it was only then that I (laughs) realised 
that my knee was soaking wet. <laughs> genuinely, I was genuinely knelt in like both of our piss. <laughs> just this puddle. <laughs> and so that's how we got engaged. Aww. She just like said yes straight away and then we started crying. And my hand was just shaking so much and I couldn't fit it on her finger. And then I was jamming it onto her finger. And the person next to us, who was a stranger, said, that's the wrong finger. (laughs) It's the wrong finger. It's just like, Jane had to guide the ring on because my hand was just shaking so much. It was like, ugh, it was like mad. It was so funny because then the gig finished and like... Jane had been chatting to all the people around us before the gig had started because like, she's a real people person. And so the gig finished and about 20 people were just like hugging us and kissing us and having their photos taken with us and we're like, we're going to come to the wedding. And it was like, <laughs> like people from Sweden, I remember this guy was me like, I'm going to come to the wedding, man. I'm going to follow you on Facebook. And like, we left that night with like about 20 And you know how hard it is like, when you're trying to put a wedding list together and you have to kind of sort the wheat from the chaff. And we were kind of stuck on this promise of about 20 yeah. strangers. <laughs> who were like, yeah. In fact, there was a couple who DJ here once a month they were like we go to the phoenix and they were like we're gonna come to your wedding and then we end we just had to kind of ghost them because we were like we we can't invite you to our wedding i haven't yeah, got enough room for my cousin everyone was saying we're gonna come to your wedding everyone was so everyone was just so of, excited yeah. they were like we'll everyone, be there too everyone was drunk everyone just watched the rolling stones there was like fireworks going off and we just got engaged everyone was just like yeah let's get married and it was like yeah okay dude oh it was really so it was like it was a public it, it was weird, so I never wanted to do a public proposal, but it was in public. But also it was very, you know, like in a gig, when it's just the two of you and you can, like, piss and no one... <laughs> <laughs> it was like, in my head, it was still a very intimate Yeah, proposal. of course, and it, when you go to a gig, you don't think you're going to have that much contact necessarily with other members of the audience. No, that's But it. I suppose when you do something like that, it creates a buzz. And, yeah. yeah. And also, Jane is the kind of person who, like... Say we'll be at a festival together and I'll go to the toilet and I'll come back and she'll be like, oh my God, you've got to meet John. He's amazing. He works in a hat shop and he's just got out of prison. And you like kind of go, hi, John. He's going to be with us all festival. And you kind of go, oh, are you, John? Okay. <laughs> like she makes like amazing friends. Yeah, she does. Just for a night. And it's yeah. like, please, please don't. <laughs> but, you know, that's what she's she like. She is like, I've got a friend called Helena who's a bit like her. And she yeah. always used to say, you have to make a party. And Jane's kind of like that, Yeah, isn't that's she? it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, oh, God, that's such a sweet story. I never thought about the fact that, um, because I did it at my book launch and my PR person told me to do it, I've never, I've never thought about how nerve-wracking it must be when you really, like, you know, <laughs> when you don't know if they're going to say yes or no. Well, I'm sure you knew she was going to say it. Was there any bit of you that was like, is she definitely going to say yes, or did you feel sure? In my head, I was like, we've already talked about this. Like, I think we both knew and then the way Jane tells it is like it was a complete surprise it came out of the blue she said I said yes straight away but I wasn't expecting it at all and I thought I thought oh it's a formality isn't it and it was like apparently it wasn't and she was really shocked by it yeah so she hadn't guessed with the cable tie and the no did did you guess with the string did he just put the mark on it and you didn't wake up so did you have any clue whatsoever Uh, no no I didn't God, it's funny, isn't it? Were you at, like, a gig? Had you just pissed in a... (laughs) (laughs) Where were you? Uh, We were in New York. Um, No, we hadn't pissed. It was the the morning. It was in the morning? (laughs) Were you on your own? Yeah, we'd just been for a walk. That's how some people do it, isn't it? You go for a walk and then... Did you always know, sir? It feels really weird to call him sir, isn't it? Like... (laughs) Did you always know, sir, and madam? <laughs> Did you know, sir, that you were going to do it then? Yeah, I'd kind of planned it for that trip, yeah. But you didn't know exactly when you were going to do it. You just went for the walk and then... Yeah, yeah, it was fairly spontaneous, I guess. You're quite a cool cucumber, like that. <laughs> just happy go lucky. You're a happy go lucky guy. Well, you know, you know. Thanks. Um, I've got a question. Did you, when the holiday was booked to New York, madam... Um, <laughs> Like, because I always think there's the thing with holidays is kind of, was it the right time where you kind of thought, mm, um, maybe, well, maybe no, he's going to ask me in New York? 
We'd been to Paris uh, two months before and everyone said... A classic decoy! <laughs> a, a great decoy! <laughs> this guy's thinking outside the box! So I wondered if it was going to happen then and it didn't. So then I didn't think it would happen in New York. <laughs> Were you sulking about Paris in New York? Yeah, I was. <laughs> God, you guys are so cool. <laughs> um, all of Paris, you must have been waiting for it. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I did wonder, but then he hadn't planned anything to do in Paris, so I thought... <laughs> Paris isn't a great place not to plan anything to do with... Like, Paris is one of those places where you're like, it's the city of romance. When you go there, you realise if you don't plan anything, you're just paying like a tanner for a quack monsieur, like next to a dual carriageway. Like, you actually do have to know where to go. Yeah. I think more so than other cities. More so than other European cities. Oh, Europe! <laughs> 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 Do you think if I did that on a first date, it'd work? <laughs> that was my way of saying I was sad about Brexit. <laughs> Keep mentioning you. I'm like, oh, you're a... Put it on your Tinder profile. Factor 50. <laughs> oh, you're a... Oh, you're a... <laughs> um, I'm quite interested to know if you... Because I, when I was younger always did things like both of those things I said in the intro were true I jumped off a bridge for a one pound bet into running water I landed with my foot at right angles to my ankle no yeah and I'd broken my ankle and that was all to impress a boy because we'd been walking across the bridge and he'd no <laughs> no because I looked I think if someone tells you to jump off a bridge and you do it it isn't that attractive problems yeah problems yeah. No, that didn't work. Um, and then I missed my math sat, and we were the first year to take sats. They still put me in the top set, and then I brought a whole year's average down. <laughs> <laughs> for love. For love. Things we do for love. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then the other thing is that I wrote this song about this guy called Sam. So I fancied this guy called Jack March, whose song I did at the beginning of, I think, Josh Widdicombe's episode of this <laughs> three years ago. And... That, like, didn't convince him to go out with me, so I moved on to his best mate, Sam. With the same song? <laughs> no, a different song, and I tried a different approach because Jack's had his name loads in it. It was like, Jack, 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 March, Jack, March! But with Sam's, I did it. That didn't work. No. <laughs> God, I'd have so gone out with a girl who'd written that song for me. It's so <laughs> weird that it didn't work. So Sam's was like, Sam, you are mega. Not only that, you are funny and clever. Sam and de toi catch a sanxis. Why not? Was, was he French? French? No. No. <laughs> it doesn't matter that your hair is dripping with grease. <laughs> Bit of negging at the end. And there it is, that was original negging. Sam, you're a hippie, but sometimes you go down to the chippy. Why would being a hippie make you not... Are you sure you weren't bullying him? It's pretty barbed for a love song. Yeah, you're so right. I don't think I just couldn't rhyme anything with Chippy. Sam, your hair is long and brown. I think this is the worst bit. I think of you when I'm feeling down. It's not great, is it? I think of you, I think of you, I think of you. Whoa, Sam, your second name is R-O-E. I love you, but you don't love me. Sam, I've loved my heart is full. I love you so much, it's unbelievable. Strong, strong finish. Sam, I love you and I hope you love me too. I've loved you since I first saw you. Sam, I love you, but I know you hate me. I'd love you even more if you would give me a Frenchie. <laughs> and, then went, and then it went, give me a Frenchie, give me a Frenchie, oh, no. give me a no. Frenchie. <laughs> you really stayed on the worst lyric. That's amazing. <laughs> Demanding a Frenchie. But I gave it to... So he was it. There was a school down the road from our school called Anthony Jell, which was in Worksworth. He went there, and they were like a hippie school, and their headmaster was really, like, cool. And I went to Anthony Jell, on our, we had an inset day, and put it into his bag. I don't know how I discovered which one his bag was, but it was his bag. A cassette? A cassette tape of that song, and then a cover of Everything I Do, I Do It For You. Beautiful. 
Now that is the perfect song for that era. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I couldn't play the guitar solo, so I just sang. Nil, 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 nil. You sang it? Yeah, and you played the chords underneath. Nil, 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 nil. Listen to your heart, babe. Nil, 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 nil. Anyway, so I put it in his bag, and then he... What would you think? What would you think if you received this? And I'd already tried to get Jack to go out with me by writing him a song, but I hadn't given him a cassette of it. And then he somehow gave it to his headmaster, and the headmaster in assembly in front of the whole school was like, a young woman, a young girl from Highfields has shown creativity and created a song for... Yeah, and played it to the whole school. No! Yeah. That's like a fever dream. (laughs) Man! I know. So did you used to do stuff like that? <laughs> what I mean is, did you, used to, did you used to do stuff like think, if I do this, it'll make them go out with me? Yeah, or did you just used to be like... I was, yeah, I was a, I've always been a fan of the grand romantic gesture, but it, it never got public. Like, I wrote a song. <laughs> I wrote a song for um, a Hungarian girl called Jofi. My youth theatre went on a Hungarian exchange. And we kissed on the last night of the Hungarian leg. So then I wrote a song before she came to stay. But I, w- I couldn't play... I, the only thing I could play was a harmonica. I couldn't speak Hungarian and she couldn't speak English. That's, that's the background to this song. It went... Never had so much to say to someone. Never had so much to say. But it's cold... And I'm weary, so I'll just hold you and pray that you can understand the silence of the breaking of my heart and that you'll feel the loss that I will when our lives wrench us apart. And that when you look into my eyes, you'll see what I see in yours and you will know how much I feel. <laughs> and then, and then, I'd, then I'd play the harmonica. <laughs> did, you, did you sing it to her? Yeah. She didn't understand it. She didn't know what it was. Yeah. Just the two of you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of took her out. So there was like on the last night dance when she came back to England. Kind of took her out to the car park and sang, sang her <laughs> the song. <laughs> and then we, we, you know, we had an awkward kiss and then didn't see each other ever again. And I, she gave me a bandana with her perfume on it, and I, I kept it for years. So I could smell her perfume. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I wonder um, what she thought you were singing about. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing yeah. about someone not being yeah. able to speak your language is you could just sing like... Could be saying anything. I don't like chicken. <laughs> and it wouldn't matter. Because, it wouldn't yeah, matter. But you did yeah. go to the trouble of writing those beautiful lyrics. Oh, uh, yeah. The, oh. The, the tune wasn't enough, I don't think, to do this. And then I, I have always written poems and things like that. That's kind of been always been my kind of romantic gestures. My favorite, I think one of my favourite romantic gestures, Shelley Walton, who was in secondary school, was like the first real look. Like, my mum remembers, always says, she's the first girl that ever put you off your food. It's like, you've never not eaten, you've always eaten. But when Shelley came along, you were so nervous you couldn't eat. But um, me and Shelley broke up and she started going out with Adrian Harris. And on Valentine's Day, I cycled to her house at six o'clock in the morning and left a single red rose and our song when we were going out with each other was Always by Bon Jovi. So I got my dad to bring a typewriter back from, he was a teacher. So I got him to bring a typewriter back from school so I could type out the lyrics for the bit of the Bon Jovi song that says, when he holds you close, when he pulls you near, when he says the words you've been meaning to hear, I wish I was him because those words are mine to say to you till the end of time. And I will love you always. And I typed them out, cycled to a house at six o'clock in the morning and left a single red rose and that card. And then the day after Valentine's Day, we had an English school trip to go watch Romeo and Juliet at the Wolverhampton Arena Theatre. And Shelley and Adrian Harris were sat the seats next to me and they just got off with each other for the whole flight. <laughs> <laughs> I remember feeling like true heartbreak. Just watching them just get off with each other for the whole way through. 
Did you think he might have even claimed credit for the rose? Because if it was anonymous... Well, that's it. And, like, I think Shelley must have known it was me, but she was at school being like, I just don't know who it was. I don't know who it was. And, like... Ugh, you know, all that stuff. It's funny that stuff about <laughs> Valentine's Day, isn't it? When you send a Valentine's thing, do you truly want it to be anonymous? My favourite Valentine's thing that I did was at university. I was seeing this girl called Honor. I went to a supermarket and bought eight different bags of flour and emptied all the... <laughs> took, took the bags home, yeah. <laughs> I really like someone shaking their head. Well, there's a guy in the front row yeah. nodding as if he knows what you're going to yeah. do and I've got well, no... Well, the lady in the third clue. row shook her head in the same way that she found out that I pissed into a glass during a concert. <laughs> but, like, yeah, I bought, like, eight bags of flour, like, all different sizes, wholemeal and plain and all that, and emptied them, but, like, kept the bag's shape and put a stem into the bottom of each bag and arranged them and gave her a bunch of flowers. <laughs> so, like, like, yeah. I like, and I kind of thought, if, if she likes this, then it's going to go very well. I've just got it. Yeah, a yeah. bunch of flowers. Yeah, yeah. I was like, why is he making a massive version of flowers with bags of flour? No, yeah. it's just the flowers. Got it, it's just like got the it, bags. mate. Got yeah, it. There you got go. It. Yeah. But yeah. she got it. Because I, I thought this is a real risk, which she really That's liked. That's great. It. And did she knew it was you? Yeah. So because of that, in my kitchen, there was two carrier bags worth of flour. <laughs> <laughs> Just loose. <laughs> and on the 15th of February, my housemates, we all went out and got drunk. I was probably celebrating it being a success with honour. And we got back and we had a huge food fight in our house <laughs> like flour. flour everywhere and lost our deposit because <laughs> the whole house like flowers fucking a nightmare and like everyone just, everyone just went mental that, that, I feel like that's such a good place to end the price you pay for love the price you pay for love <laughs> <laughs> The things we do for love. The things we do for love. Tonight I've been joined by... Tom Parry. He is a... Sagittarius. And a... Wolverhampton Wanderers fan. And a... Happy-go-lucky guy. The things we do for love. His girlfriend's first pet was called... Wife's. <laughs> what a crazy name for a pet. <laughs> the things we do for love. <laughs> the things we do for love. Jane's dad's middle name is... Oh, don't know. The Things We Do For Love. Very good of you to admit you don't know. I don't think I know Alice's dad's middle name. The Things We Do For Love. One more. Once Jane told you about her dream and it was... Um, she normally dreams that she's being chased. With a man with some string. <laughs> oh, can I, I've got a funny, can I tell you a very quick funny story? Yeah. Um, on my stag do, they did Mr and Mrs, obviously. Like, you know, they do, where they've asked Jane questions and I have to guess the answers. And my best man had given the answers to my childhood hero, Steve Bull, the Wolves footballer. So instead of just doing a normal Mr and Mrs, they opened the laptop and it was Steve Bull, my hero, being like, hello, Tom, we've asked Jane these questions and here are the answers. And they'd pause the video and I'd have to guess. And one of the questions was, what's Jane's biggest fear? And I said, well, Jane's very scared of dying. She talks about that a lot. And they press play on the video and Steve Ball is reading the answers and trying to host. And he kind of goes, well, Jane's biggest fear is someone breaking into her home and stabbing her. <laughs> Well, fair play, that is a massive fear. <laughs> it's video fully. Yeah, that is a massive fear. <laughs> Such a nice moment. The things we do for love. Thank you very much for coming. I've been joined by the brilliant, happy-go-lucky broadcaster, Tom Parry. <laughs> I've been Izzy Sutton. Thank you very much. Goodbye. And that was The Things We Do For Love with my guest, 
Tom Parry. I hope you enjoyed it. I found him very, very funny, as I always do, and so quick as well. Tom appears in a podcast called Pappy's Flat Share, which I've done, and it's really, really fun. And his Twitter is at Tomos P. Tomos, the Welsh spelling, I think, of Thomas, T-O-M-O-S-P for Parry. And his solo show, Parioke, great pun, is available online at Next Up. So please check that out. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, my book is out by now. It's called Jane is Trying. It's not based on Tom's wife, Jane. And it's not based on the fact that my middle name's Jane. You don't get that many Janes these days, but it's about a lady called Jane who's having a bit of a hard time and about trying for a baby and about health anxiety and just, I suppose, like living life in modern times and trying to make the best decisions when you can't make a decision. That is available in hardback at the moment from all booksellers. Jane is trying. And if you enjoyed our podcast, The Things We Do For Love, please spread the word and subscribe, leave us a review and we will see you next week. The Things We Do For Love was hosted by me, Izzy Sutty, and featured my guest, Tom Parry. Thanks to the Phoenix in London for having us. The theme music is by Charlie Jefferson. The Things We Do For Love is produced by Ben Walker for Fuzz Productions and the internet. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.